minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Shabu 
in the AM, except Saturday is the name of that group. Emesh Kachayich here at JM in the AM. That is a, uh, it's a good selection. A lot of great footage off of the Celebrate Israel Parade from this year included in that video, <clears throat> which is really nice. Which is really nice, especially because they include some of our NSN broadcasts from that day. Uh, Avram Avram Fried before that with Otsar from Bring the House Down. It was great welcoming him into our studio this morning, or this morning, uh, this week here at JM and the AM. If you missed any of that, you should check out the archive section of JM and the AM dot org. Uh, it was a, um, it was really a wonderful conversation with some great phone calls and fabulous insight as we always get from Avram Fried. When he's in our studio here at JM in the AM, so check that out. Simcha Liner had Va'atamarom. You heard Tiferet. That's a great Shabbos selection from Shlomo Katz. Benny Friedman's Ivdus, the Miros Medley, done by Chazan Yanki Lemmer, and of course Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Friday on this July 1st, the 25th of Sivan. It's Erev Shabbos Parsha Shlach outside of Israel. 
We read Parsha Shlach this week. Candle lighting at 8.11 on this era of Shabbos. 8.11, your official candle lighting time. A lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Well, Bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Tammuz will be both Wednesday and Thursday. Rosh Chodesh Tammuz, Wednesday and Thursday. It is 4th of July weekend. The 4th is Monday. Mayor Furtick's going to be sitting in on Monday. I thank him for that. And... Um, uh, I am back here on Tuesday morning at the JM in the AM. Many of you, I'm sure, are already familiar with the news accounts from Israel from today, from Friday. A uh, female terrorist has been shot and killed following a thwarted terror attack in Hebron. A terror attack thwarted in Hebron Friday morning after a female suspect attempted to stab an Israeli border police officer at Marat HaMachpelah. Border police said the female assailant approached officers stationed at the holy site and suddenly pulled out a knife, attempting to stab at least one guard. Border police officers responded quickly, shooting the alleged suspect and halting her progress. A suspect later died of her wounds. No one else injured in the event. Meanwhile, Israeli police announced they arrested a man who allegedly insisted, who allegedly assisted the perpetrator of a near-fatal terror attack the previous evening in Netanya. Police said they apprehended a 30-year-old Tel Aviv Yafo resident who drove the now-deceased assailant to the area of the attack in an overnight raid on his home. On Thursday, a terrorist attacked Israeli civilians in the vicinity of Netanya's central market on the corner of Milchemet Sheshet Hayamim and Shoham Streets. 40-year-old male was stabbed and wounded, stabbed and wounded two Israelis before being shot and killed by an armed civilian present at the scene with security forces arriving in the minutes following the attack. Thursday saw the brutal murder of 13-year-old Halel Yaffa Ariel as she slept in her Kiryat Arba bedroom following the break-in of an Arab terrorist from a nearby village who sneaked inside and stabbed her to death. The entire world needs to condemn this murder, just as it condemned the terrorist attacks in Orlando and Brussels, Prime Minister Netanyahu said in the wake of the attack. I expect the Palestinian leadership to clearly and unequivocally condemn this vicious murder and take immediate action to stop the incitement. Uh, about an hour from now, it'll be the weekly update here at JM and the AM. Malcolm Holmline will join me, and we will discuss the events of this week. Lots going on, as you know. We'll go through as much as we can during the weekly update, starting at about 7.40 Eastern time this morning here at JM and the AM. 71 degrees outside with 73% humidity. Winds are west at 2 miles an hour. Strong storms today, they're calling it, with a high temperature of 81 then tonight, thunderstorms early with a low temperature of 67. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, a high temperature for Shabbos of 85 degrees. Uh, Yerushalayim is at 80. We're at 71, going up to uh, 81 here on a Friday morning era of Shabbos at JM in the AM, 4th of July weekend. Mayor Furtig in on uh, Monday. Great programming on our stream all day long at jmtheam.org and on the NSN app, including the Kedem presentation of the era of Shabbos music mix. Make sure you uh, tune in in your home, in your office, in your car, wherever it is you are today. The NSN app is a brilliant opportunity to listen into the Arab Shabbos music mix and really be 
in the right mood going into Shabbos. That's what it's all about. Getting everybody into the right mood for the big day. Um, if you want to comment on our app, we will uh, see those comments in front of us, and often we will take some of the comments and suggestions in terms of our conversation regarding the weekly update. I uh, will take those into account, so you may want to post on the on the comment section of the NSN app, and we will see those, and uh, and we will um, certainly consider them as we uh, drift into our conversation regarding current events affecting Israel and the Jewish world. J.M. in the A.M. with Yitzhak Fuchs. Shanta, the shaman Roshi, Kosireva, 
To the best soldiers in the world. Israel, you're here, I'm here. 
Because 
Sam in the AM. Shalshalas Jr. Uh, closing out the hour. Had a little bit of a trouble with our uh, feed from Israel for our newscast. I apologize. And um, we will not do the news, but we will be getting to uh, some of the news items of the day and of the week through the weekly update. Just, excuse me, just about 40 minutes from now when we go through the uh, events of the week here at JM and the AM. We call it the weekly update. Malcolm Holmline will join us. Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. And we will uh, go through the um, different news items of interest to this audience uh, coming up. It should be an interesting conversation. I hope you have a chance to tune in. If not, there's an archive, of course, a podcast, etc., etc., both on the site, on the app, etc. Uh, before the Shalshalis Jr. selection, you heard Yerachmiel begun the Miami Boys Choir from Miami Mizrach with Yom Zeh, Yaakov Shweki's Misha Berach. As we keep in mind our Israeli soldiers off of the Live in Israel CD. Sholi had sushi already. It's Fuchs with Ms. Marla David. And uh, my name is Nachum Siegel, and this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org, and of course... On the NSN app.
כל הצדיקים שהיו עד היום, ובזכות כל הצדיקים שנמצאים עמנו היום, בזכות כל הצדיקים, כל הצדיקים שהיו עד היום, ובזכות כל הצדיקים
7 in the a.m. We'll get back to Mordechai Shapiro here on a JM in the AM Friday morning Erev Shabbos. I want to check in with, uh, I was hoping that both uh, Joseph Stansky and Ari Katz, who lead our uh, beloved Camp Misora, would join me this morning. Uh, just because they have so many great developments and uh, the camp orientation has gotten off to a phenomenal start from what I, from what I hear from my spies. Uh, <laughs> but I didn't realize that uh, they would be calling in from a very unusual, at least I think it's unusual, early morning activity with the staff who's getting ready for a, or later on will be getting ready for a, an orientation Shabbat, a staff orientation Shabbat. Ari Katz, Joseph Stansky, welcome back to JM in the AM. Right, thank, thank you so much for It is great to speak to both of you. All right, one of you, I don't know who wants to do this, first explain where you are and why. So well, we're right now standing uh, outside uh, in the woods where the staff has uh, got up at 4.30 in the morning to <laughs> take a hike out as a team-building exercise, uh, stationed in groups of um, army groups with flags and hike to the... To the final destination where we davened, and they're now currently singing the Hatikva. Pretty unbelievable. Now, I'm just curious for personal reasons: Are all the staff members uh, there with you on this early morning hike? Uh, actually, all the younger staff, anyone from about 20 and younger, are there. Some of the older ones needed some extra sleep, but uh, <laughs> all the younger staff are there. So none of the seagull children who are working in Camasora were exempt from this morning's activity, you're telling me? No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> not some I have a visual on them. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm glad you do, because this has gone completely against their original plan, I can tell you that much, <laughs> when they first heard about this early morning hike. Well, this is unique. This is unique that uh, you'd get everybody up at 4 o'clock in the morning and to embark on this type of activity. Uh, I, would, I would guess that both of you are looking forward to a summer of great camaraderie among your staff if you're kicking things off with this type of act. Yeah, uh, so far, I mean, we've seen an incredible staff who come from adult staff to the younger staff. You know, what the most incredible thing was uh, they sat in intense training yesterday all day long sessions that they team build that they participated. We ended off last night in Binghamton um, with skate a skate and a barbecue, and uh, one of the rabbeim were there, stayed behind, and one of the workers came over and said, I've never seen a group like this actively clean, make sure that everything is set, set up, cleaned up, say thank you, and he said, I just have to tell you that we were blown away by having the group there last night. You know, I, I, you just said something that's so important, and, I, and this is across the board, by the way, for all camps that enjoy what you just described, uh, with everything, with all the camps out there that are doing such a great job with informal education and uh, adding to the lives of our children of our community and making their summers so meaningful, I don't know if there's a better feeling for those who lead a staff and campers, then when, when strangers, quote-unquote, walk over to them and tell them what type of group of kids or staff members they have with them. Joseph, you've seen this over the years. No greater feeling, am I right? That's, uh, that's what the ultimate nachas is. It really is to, uh, to see those role models come on out and share it with the kids as well, and you see it trickle down to everybody. It's, it's, uh, 
with your own kids. Pretty amazing. Yeah, exactly. You did a good job. Exactly, exactly. Friday morning, JM in the AM checking in with Ari Katz and Joseph Stansky. They're in the middle of staff orientation with Camp Missora, and they're in the middle of some... Uh, some uh, field somewhere, <laughs> a team-building hike that's happening in the early morning hours there. Uh, uh, give me a minute on the on what's happening brand new. I keep seeing these amazing things, and you know what kind of relationship we've had with Camp Masora over the years. I keep seeing these amazing photographs of the brand-new canteen, the brand-new dining room. Could you just describe for our audience, and for me, as I look forward to seeing you guys early next week and seeing it in person, uh, can you describe what's been happening over the winter and what you've been able to open in terms of new facilities for the brand-new season? Sure. Uh, first of all, you, you know where the old dining room was. Yep. We have girls' camp. Uh, now imagine you have this beautiful, tall dining room right in the center of camp overlooking the lake. It's on the lake side of the road, windows everywhere. But you just see outside the gorgeous, uh, gorgeous scenery and the lake. Wide, expansive, cool, and, and just modern and high tech kitchen. Uh, everything is just running more smooth and more efficient and more spacious and beautiful. The canteen is is nice than any cafe lounge you've seen to just unwind and relax and have fun indoors, outdoors covered, uncovered, you name it, it's all out there for the kids just to relax and enjoy and be, just be themselves. Um, What's been the reaction of the staff to these two new facilities so far? Yeah, It's a typical, you know, jaws open, mouth open, eyes wide, and they just cannot believe. Listen, Nachum, eight years ago, you didn't think that road would ever be paved. <laughs> and, uh, That's true. This is, uh, this is ten times bigger than that. It's just, <laughs> it's just phenomenal, and you can't stop and just have this breathtaking, uh, you know, view of what's going on right there. Well, I'm looking. I am looking forward to seeing it and enjoying it, and uh, I can only imagine what it does for you guys in terms of an upgrade like this. It must be amazing, and I'm sure the campers, when they show up on Monday, are going to be extremely overjoyed that yeah. that those facilities have been upgraded the way uh, they have, and, and really at this point, uh, upgraded to the point of uh, the same upgrade that you've done on the campuses, right? I mean, now that you have uh, the dining room and uh, canteen the way they are in Camp Missouri, they essentially match the uh, state-of-the-art condition of most of the bunks, if not all of the bunks on the campuses. Exactly. Yes, this, exactly. This year, uh, and we've also... We've, go ahead. Every, uh, every camper will receive once again a brand-new bunk, and it goes along the lines with the brand new dining that all fits and looks match up side by side beautifully. Very nice. Well, yeah. and the most importantly, as we said, it seems everybody is getting along really nicely, and they probably have less resentment than I think that the directors have woken them up at four o'clock in the morning for this early morning activity. <laughs> you can't imagine how, how pumped and excited they are. It, it just uh, it just shows you when, when the bonding is there and the closeness is there. Something like this just makes it even stronger. It's just beautiful to see right now all these guys, hundreds of kids in the, in the forest, hiking back now for breakfast outdoors again. Who leads it, by the way? Is there a, uh, a nature expert or uh, an outdoorsman or outdoorswoman who's leading this whole thing? So, so we, we, we made this into an Israeli-style like army program. So we have a lot of Israeli staff who, many of them just graduated from the army, wow. finished the army. So we separated ourselves into three groups. Uh, and then they're responsible for each one of their groups. And then, of course, uh, at the top of there was Aaron Atharaf, who is running the whole thing as well. So it's just 
it's just streamlined beautifully. And by the way, we should mention that the Camp Misora, in addition to other camps in our uh, in our community, uh, is one of those camps that keeps their staff and campers up to date on what's happening in Israel. Obviously, the last 24 hours in Israel have been a big challenge, and I'm sure your staff is uh, is quite aware of what's happening. It, it may even bring more meaning to their relationship with the uh, Israeli uh, staff members who have just completed the army as they consider what's happening in Israel and uh, and and really appreciate what the IDF does. I'm sure that's uh, an element that uh, enhances their summer as well. Yeah, the, yeah. the, the Americans have really have a true appreciation uh, for the IDF and, and for all the Israelis. And I think it, it's Israel and, and the bond and, and the closeness and that togetherness that they keep with Israel that keeps everyone here very tight and and takes care of one another even in tough times like this yeah no question about it all right gentlemen uh if anybody falls asleep in their soup tonight you'll know why because it's been a, it's, <laughs> it's been a long day for the staff send our best to all the staff members those named siegel and otherwise and enjoy shabbos orientation is always a uh is, is always a yotzim in that cloud. It's always a, it's something very extra special when you're able to schedule uh, orientation around a Shabbat. So enjoy that, and we look forward to seeing you, Bezrat Hashem, toward the beginning of the season next week. And congratulations. The new facilities look amazing, and we look forward to seeing them up close and personal. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. Have a great Shabbat. Ari Katz, Joseph Stansky, our dear friends up in Camp Misora, who are uh, part of, it sounds like they're part of it, this er- very early morning team-building hike and activity that's happening on a Friday during staff orientation led by uh, members of the uh, IDF uh, who've um, uh, completed their army service, which is pretty amazing. And um, we wish them the best of luck. They've got some amazing brand-new facilities up there in camp that I'm looking forward to seeing, including their dining room and their canteen. And uh, many of you know that I have a special place in my heart for Camp Misora and I uh, look forward to seeing them and uh, and um, enjoying all the progress they're making up there. Just checking out, because we said here it's a um, what do we say here? 71 degrees? Up in Guilford, New York. In what type of weather are they hiking up there right now? 58 degrees and partly cloudy and they're expecting a high today of 78 and uh, tomorrow, Shabbos, a partly sunny day up in Camp Misora. Erev Shabbos, Parsha Shlach, with candlelighting time at 8.11. Rosh Chodesh Tammuz is going to be Wednesday and Thursday. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh today, or actually tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Tammuz will be Wednesday and Thursday. Fourth of July is Monday. Mayor Furtick is going to be sitting in here at JM in the AM. Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us about 10 minutes from now for the weekly update. Keep it right here at JM in the AM.
העולם אשר מלא בכרם קול יציר נברא לעת לעת נעשה בחצו קול אזי מלך שמו נקרא אזי מלך שמו נקרא ואחרי ככלות ככלות הכל לבדו אם לא כנורא לבדו אם לא כנורא והוא היה בטרם כל יציר נברא, לעת לעת נעשה בחצו קול, אזי מלך שמו נקרא, אזי מלך שמו נקרא, ואחרי ככלות ככלות הכל, לבדו אם לא כנורא, לבדו אם לא כנורא, והוא היה Israel, Kuma, 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 Kuma,
J.M. in the A.M. on this Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, 1st of July to 25th of Sivan, 4th of July weekend coming up. Mayor Fertig will be sitting in on Monday, and I thank him in advance here at J.M. in the A.M. Uh, that's Yehuda with uh, Tzor Yisrael off the brand new CD. Yoel Sharabi before that with Adon Olam. You heard Mordechai Shapiro in there. Erev Shabbos Parsha Shlach outside of Israel. Uh, in Israel, I believe they're already up to Korach. Candle lighting time at 8.11 on this Erev Shabbos. 8.11. Yeah, we did hear another story yesterday about uh, a bar mitzvah boy in Israel who prepared the wrong Parsha. Yeah. That is a killer. <laughs> that is a killer. Um, just discovered a couple of weeks ago that Israel is uh, laning uh, a week later, quote-unquote. Um, or they're off by a week. We're off by a week. We're a week behind. That's the way to put it, uh, compared to what's going on in Israel. Candle lighting time at 8.11. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Tammuz will be Wednesday and Thursday. Keep that in mind, Wednesday and Thursday, uh, Rosh Chodesh. I want to thank our friends at OnlySimchas.com, who continue to include us in their incredible news feed, um, making sure to highlight items of note that they have learned from uh, us and that have appeared here at JM and the AM. Uh, com has a news feed way beyond the Simcha news, which is so vital and important, but uh, they have other vital and important things as well. Check it out today and enjoy. And a big thank you to our friends at jewishworldreview.com, where you can print out hundreds of articles before Shabbos and read up on all the latest thing, things that are happening, whether in regard to the presidential election here in the United States or different things that are happening around the world. Thanks to JewishWorldReview.com, who continue to enthusiastically recommend our incredible live stream to all of their readers, and that is much appreciated. 71 degrees outside, strong storms today with a high temperature of 81, thunderstorms early tonight, a low 67, and tomorrow mostly sunny, a high temperature of 85 degrees. Yerushalayim is at 80, we're at 71 right now here in Jersey City. Malcolm Honeline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, Joins us for the weekly update here at JM and the AM. Mr. Honeline, welcome back to JM and the AM. Well, thank you. It's good to be with you again, and good Arab Shabbos. Appreciate that. We uh, heard what happened yesterday, and uh, as I as I unfortunately say too often, the collective Jewish heart uh, was in great pain after hearing of this terrorist attack where a, a teenage Arab terrorist infiltrated Kiryat Arba, uh, where he went into the uh, bedroom, of a 13-year-old girl and stabbed her to death. Uh, now we hear of uh, reports of a um, of a of a of an attempted um, uh, terrorist attack last night in Natanya. We hear what happened today in Maratha Machpela, a female terrorist who uh, went ahead and uh, attempted to stab a, a security officer at Maratha Machpela, the cave of the patriarchs. Last week, you and I spoke about the possibility. Of this becoming a trend as the summer season commences, are we in fact seeing more incitement and even uh, worse, the more likelihood of this type of violence over the next few weeks? Well, there are uh, a lot of factors that we have discussed in the past. For one, this is Ramadan, and as you know, with Rosh, with Rosh Chodesh coming, uh, Ramadan will end, and this has always been a period when um, there is escalated violence, one would think that because they're fasting there would be less violence, that they're tired, but, you know, it's also during the summers and it's been scorching hot, so perhaps people are 
driven more crazy than usual, but it is not the weather and it's not the calendar. It's the incitement coming from the Palestinian Authority led by Mahmoud Abbas that uh, is largely responsible for this. The, the, uh, you can trace it to some of the statements that are made, to the things that are broadcast on Palestinian TV, on, on, in all of their media, in the uh, mosques, and the determination to finally act decisively. We can't root it out completely. You can't go into every home and every place and, and root it out, but you can demand and assure that from the top, the message goes out that the behavior changes. They did not, and to, to my knowledge, I don't think Abbas has yet to condemn uh, fully the, this murder. In fact, in, immediately after it took place, the official website, the Facebook site of Fatah and the Wafa News Agency both declared him a shahid, a, a martyr. Both uh, issued proclamations praising him, and his mother came out saying how proud she was of this indescribable, heinous act. I, I know it touched people, uh, the idea of a 13-year-old, a sweet, innocent child like this, and when you see her face, you, you immediately get it, that, that she could be killed, and thank God her two sisters, who you could see share a room there because there were bunk beds next to hers, were away. Or else they, God forbid, might have been the victims as well. And the failure to act, the failure to condemn, and the, and that they will now give a pension to the family and and pay him. And the woman who carried out the attack today at Marsa Machpelah, the attempted attack, is a cousin of his, of the murderer yesterday. And he had another cousin, I think, who had was engaged in an attack and was killed so there is something inherent in this, in the place where they live, in the family, and Israel should move immediately to raise the house. Uh, I know that the PA will then compensate them with another house. Believe me, it's not the same. The message has to go out. I have to say the United States' response was, was immediate, and you know that yesterday there was legislation uh, introduced to uh, close a loophole about uh, the stipends for these Palestinian murderers, and Dan Coates of uh, Senator Coates of Indiana introduced it, and they're going to act to shut this loophole, which uh, allows sometimes the use of uh, U.S. dollars. The State Department does deduct money from the money that's supposed to go to the PA for uh, the amounts that they pay to, to terrorists, but this uh, would reduce in uh, the amount, and they and you know that the PA had transferred its money, its stipend program, to the PLO. So it would give it, uh, um, and that and that they allowed the program to go on unsanctioned. So this will cut it out and say that the USA to the Palestinians will be cut by the amount the Secretary determines is equivalent to the amount spent by the PA uh, and the PLO and any successor affiliated organization, because they keep pulling these subterfuges. And uh, and so this legislation is very important. We should support it. Let's go back for a second to the murder of Halel Yaffa Ariel. Um, I, I'm, I'm somewhat surprised that you're... Um, it, it sounds like you're satisfied with the reaction from the United States. I thought it was one of those typical, especially for an American citizen, it turns out she is. I thought it was one of those typical State Department, uh, you know, 
uh, obligatory statements and really nothing beyond that. Was there anything else I'm not aware of? Well, there were several statements. Uh, you're right. The first statement, the statement by Kirby was, uh, I think, insufficient. The fact that the White House, as far as I know, has not said anything. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm It was the for. second State Department, though, briefing about it, which was much stronger. And I, in fact, called the State Department as soon as I saw the first statement, and they read me a second statement, which seemed to be much better. But regardless, the United States' reaction, is it's not just a verbal reaction of condemnation. You know, the Germans issued a statement in Hebrew, by the way, which was strong. The, the, uh, I think the EU did. Uh, England certainly did. Uh, you know, but it's all after the fact. In the meantime, they're talking about rewarding his intransigence by convening the uh, European ministers or by doing other acts um, which forestall any chance of uh, forcing him to a negotiating table or to any kind of serious action. Yeah. Uh, so, no, I'm, I, I wasn't exonerating them from it. They, 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 there were several reactions. I think that the first one from uh, Kirby's State Department was certainly not sufficient. And, and then, and then there's the Prime Minister, and and this is not to, you know, I, as we've said many times in the last, you know, th- thirty years that we're speaking, it's not exactly an easy job. So I'm not saying I could do it any better, but you know, when it comes to uh, random violence or you know, crime, okay, Prime Minister and other officials have a responsibility to do what they can to reduce those numbers and to reduce the incidents, etc. And we know what public safety is all about in that regard. Uh, but here, it just, I don't know, to me it seems is a greater responsibility on the part of the Israeli government uh, to crack down, to utilize intelligence, to to do something in retaliation that would in fact send the message. You mentioned raising homes. There are probably other measures as well that can be taken. I, I, I can only imagine that you've spoken to the Prime Minister over the years about this practice of visiting a Shiva house in this type of situation. It has to make him very uncomfortable because a, a person who, a leader with any measure of responsibility has to sit there thinking that part of this or some of it, you know, is preventable if he might take certain types of action. Am I right? I think you're absolutely right. And I think that Netanyahu takes it very personally. He did go uh, to see the family and, uh, I don't know how a prime minister of Israel functions. I, I, I would not... The, the, having the responsibility he has, it's far greater than the president of the United States, because, you know, they have a margin of error. Right. Israel does not. Right. So the prime minister has to weigh each time what is the response and what, what will produce the result that, that you want. And uh, and sometimes the res- response is, is appears to be weak, but that there are reasons... Uh, for it, but more importantly, it's the things you don't see. Uh, when you talk about increased intelligence and and the um, efforts that the the uh, police make and the intelligence agencies make, they prevent multiple multiple uh, times the number of events that take place. You, but you don't read about an event that doesn't take place. You don't see all the arrests, the raids that take place. The and, and they do it under tremendous pressure from the international community, which then comes out and, and you know, and blasts Israel over these defensive acts or, the, or when they demolish houses or when they take other kind of punitive actions uh, against the, the PA and, and then just come down on the side of, uh, of Abbas. And Abbas mm-hmm. then screams and yells like, a, what do they say, a stuck pig? And then the, the international community, of course, says, well, he's the weaker party, et cetera. Right. There is, in fact, more cooperation than you would believe between the PA security agencies and the Israeli forces. 
and that has also prevented uh, many attacks. So you can't just judge it by the, you know, the ones we see. You got to think about how many we don't see. Yeah, I don't take place. I understand that, but uh, I don't know. I don't know what I'm looking for. Am I looking for a prime minister to get up and scream? Am I looking for somebody to, you know, a- express the the emotion that Jews around the world are feeling after an episode like this, maybe, you know, there's just a frustration that it seems like, you know, can't someone just get up there and do something or, you know, announce that you're, you know, taking this step towards retaliation or sending the military in here or there. And I know, I know they closed the village. You mentioned raising the home and the likelihood of that and all that. I don't know, just uh, the anger builds up and you're not quite sure what to, what, what you want in terms of Israel's response. Which is why people sometimes take take the law into their own hands, and why people do other things. But look, look what happened in Turkey. Look what happened in uh, in so many places. Oh, we'll, we'll get to that. Where, in a minute. Let me, where we'll, you have dictatorships, I mean, and and where theoretically he could do whatever he wants and has done whatever. He's raised whole towns, right. Kurdish towns. He's he's killed countless people. Prime Minister Israel, unfortunately, doesn't have that that leeway because of the international pressure to take all the steps necessary to protect the citizen. But I think that they've come to the point, and, and I think that there is an international fatigue with the, excusing the Palestinians. You don't see the same reaction that you used to see. That I think the condemnations that came uh, and the demands on, on Abbas, I have to say the United States pressed Abbas about, about condemning, and they've been uh, more tough on him uh, of late. Some of people have. Yeah, if, if you mean official governmental reaction, I think that's correct, right? Right. That's what you mean. You mean yes. of, uh, official government? Because we, we, we've seen plenty of, well, they shouldn't be living in illegal settlements and all that stuff in reaction to Kiryat Arba, but I would assume... Well, and today we have the Quartet Report, right? which uh, Abbas is furious about, but uh, frankly, I'm sure the Israelis are not happy about either, because it, it does... Uh, and and frankly, people's expectations were that it would be much worse. And I think it was toned down. And again, I think the U.S. played a role here. Uh, and I know a little bit about some of the internal machinations. Uh, the the uh, the first thing it talks about is the incitement and terrorism. It does. It's the first issue that they raise and and go into some detail and yeah. put the onus clearly on on the PA. That is the what. The second thing is settlements. <laughs> no. Right. And then they go after the settlement issue, and right. then they third they talk about Gaza. Right. Shockingly enough, incitement beat out the settlements, and that's the number the one slide exactly. is absolute shocker. Uh, that's why I was somewhat frustrated. And anybody who heard the beginning of yesterday's show saw how frustrated I was. And you might tell me that it was an overreaction, but I, I know there was this brawl in the Knesset because of the statements of uh, Hanin Zoabi this week. A lot of people saw the video. I mean, I wouldn't exactly call it a brawl compared to some of the parliamentary real brawls we've seen <laughs> over the years around the world. I would call it more of a Jewish brawl that erupted, but anyway, uh, th- this happens, and of course her statements are outrageous about the IDF, and and, uh, and Netanyahu even has acknowledged that he's seeing if there are legal means of getting her out of the Knesset. I get all that. But then after Halel Yaffa Ariel's murder, for anybody in the Knesset, especially the deputy speaker of the Knesset, to get up and say that Hanin Zoabi is responsible for it, I think that takes the real focus away from the real insiders, from the mosques, from the family, from the schools, from the communities that these people live in. And I think that the most accurate was her mother, Halel's mother, who said it's the, the mother of the terrorist who's responsible for this. I think that's the, that is what should be said within 24 hours of a murder like this. I guarantee you this terrorist 17-year-old probably never even heard of Hanin Zoabi. So... You know, it's, it, it is very complicated to, to try and assess 
in this kind of situation responsibility. I think that the purpose, by the way, there isn't just one deputy speaker. People should know there are many. So the, uh, the, the response to Zoabi's comments, I, for one, have no sympathy, and I think that, you know, despite freedom of speech and everything else that we want to see, there has to be some limit. There has to be some standard, and the fact that they get away with the kind of comments that they make on all of these occasions, members of the Knesset drawing a salary from the Israeli government, coming into the official body uh, parliament of Israel, of the state of Israel, and behaving as they do, should not be tolerated. And, and they are our national figures, so it's different when a, a mother may engage in something, but when you have somebody who goes on Palestinian media and is broadcast constantly with these outrageous comments, calling them uh, the idea of murderers, comparisons to Nazis, all of these things, it is of a different significance. It gives it a legitimacy when you say an MK is getting up there and, and a allegedly elected representative uh, uh, of, of these people, uh, of, the, of the Israeli Arab community, and engaging in it, many Israeli Arabs have come out against uh, against them, and are embarrassed sometimes by by these comments. But there there is a significance to it that is somewhat different. It does not in any way exonerate the rest of the media and the and the the PA itself, led by Abbas. I mean, Abbas is the chief insider, and we should acknowledge that the mother. I mean, her comments on uh, PATV should be shown to everybody to show, again, once again, uh, exactly the nature of that society and, and of what is, what is happening there. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, broadcasting live. In the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world in the web, jmnam.org, and of course on the NSN app. If you want to comment on anything, you could utilize the NSN app for that. We have it open in front of us, and uh, oh, in fact, I see a comment coming from Israel as we speak. So feel free to comment um, on anything that's going on here um, uh, through the app or through any of the open email addresses uh, could you explain the uh, we'll get we'll get to turkey everyone's anxious to hear uh, there's so much to discuss regarding turkey and israel and of course what happened this week with the terrorist attack but could you just clear up this the, i i tried to get it straight last week i don't have it straight is there is there a foreign aid debate still is israel asking for certain aid from the united states that's not forthcoming well, what's the status right now yes, let me just say one other thing that i forgot i was going to say about the uh, incitement look at what Abbas did speaking before the Europeans. The same people endorsed this quartet report and talked about Israel poisoning the waters, literally poisoning the waters, not as a, a figure of speech. And then went back and had to retract it and admitted that 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 what he said uh, uh, was wrong. This is a blood libel, and the very fact that he believed it and accepted it without checking it, without knowing the facts is why I say he is the insider-in-chief and why that kind of a statement can incite people to act and to, to do things, um, and especially because it comes from an authority. Uh, I, I, so. agree, I agree with you. My point is, when you have a 17-year-old potential terrorist, the parents, the family, the community, and the mosque, and the schools are much more significant to him than Abbas or any member of Knesset. Of course, they have to be held to account. That's and all they have to, Of course, we have to... They should all be rooted out and, and addressed. But uh, I'm saying to you about how they set the tone that right. gives the license to those people. Right. You know, the mo if the PA wants to crack down on the mosques, 
they know how to do it. Right. When they want to send in their forces and crack down on local incitement, they know how to do it. Can the PA silence Arab members of Knesset if they wanted to? They can certainly influence them. They can't silence them. Uh, Abbas's influence is diminishing greatly. It is, not, it is not what it was. Arafat probably could have had a greater ability because he had greater sway during his tougher years. But today, Abbas is, is seen as uh, tired, old, over the hill, irrelevant to, to it. Okay, so about the MOU, the discussions are still going on. There is still resistance, as you know, on a couple of issues. One <clears throat> is that 26% of the money that uh, uh, that Israel gets is not spent in the United States. Right. 74% is spent in the United States, creating tens of thousands of jobs here and and literally keeping major businesses alive because that money uh, um, creates in Texas, uh, I don't know how many tens of thousands of jobs alone. Uh, so uh, people think that the money that Israel gets goes to Israel, stays in Israel, and in fact it's used for procurement here. 24%, uh, 26% is allowed to be spent, which is very vital to Israel's arms industry uh, so that they can develop many of the amazing things that they have that the United States benefits from. You know, the F-35 was rolled out uh, this weekend, and uh, Lieberman and others were there right. to uh, <clears throat> receive the first plane that will be delivered to Israel in December. It's uh, the stealth uh, fighter. It's, it's it is one impre- It's one impressive aircraft. <laughs> that is for sure. So I, I, as I... That I asked him uh, when he was uh, talking to me about this ceremony. I said, how could you know it's there if it's a stealth fighter? How would you know it was there? He said he could see the wheels moving. So, so the, the they left avionics the on it, which America gets, the, the wings are made by Israel aircraft industries, the helmets, etc. All these improvements were made by Israel. And so America benefits even from the 26% that is spent in Israel, as we do with Iron Dome, etc. So that's one set of, uh, of uh, uh, issues is related to the memo of understanding, which is to govern uh, military aid for the next 10 years. In the, uh, in the regular military budget, defense budget, the Congress upped the amount for Iron Dome. The administration asked for $150 million. Every year they usually ask for a lower amount. Congress increases it. administration goes along with it. This time, the president said he would veto the bill over this because they increased it to about six hundred million, and then he tried to juxtapose it to the aid going to our own military um, missile defense program. Uh, when in fact, of course, Iron Dome and David Sling and all that did, and it's a joint program and it benefits the United States and it's used by the United States. This technology is certainly uh, exploited as well. Will Israel, in the end, be satisfied with the aid package? So we have the two uh, two parts. One is the annual allocation right. and the amount of money that is uh, being allocated. And in fact, after the president came out against when the Senate recommended, the House voted more than two to one to support the increased amount. So the question is, will the administration want to go to a mat? Will they work out some amount, some uh, other uh, arrangement? Uh, the, the, the point also is that you have to think about what is that message that is sent then to the region? How do countries there look at it if the president is saying, want to veto the bill over a missile defense program that everybody admits is successful? What does that say about U.S.-Israel relations? What does it say about uh, the U.S. commitments? So that's one uh, fact. One, one set of uh, issues is related to the immediate allocations. And then on the memo of understanding, so far they have not reached 
in a court. One is about the annual increases. It has to at least cover the cost of living increases and the other expense increases. But even more, uh, they want to incorporate the money for Iron Dome, the annual allocations for Iron Dome into this as well, which was not part of it in the past. When Israel is facing Iran post-deal with its increased uh, missile development capacity with Hezbollah's huge missiles, uh, stockpiles of over 100,000, Hamas developing more and more sophisticated weapons, the needs are greater, not lesser. And everybody admits and acknowledges that Israel is the bulwark in the forefront today, protecting many Arab countries and protecting the front line for U.S. interests. So... It's, it is very unfortunate, I think, to have these kind of differences. I, I would hope that they can work out the, the deal, because until the next administration gets in and to work it out, it will it will delay it further. And we don't know who the new members of who will be in the new Congress, whether right. who will control the committees, et cetera, and what their views will be. Generally, there's broad support uh, for the U.S.-Israel relationship, the aid to Israel. What's the minimum amount of time? This is going to take at least how long to work out? be worked out tomorrow if it could agree on everything right and it can't uh, last until the next administration the thing is that you have till you know till the end of december i would say or till december to try and hammer it out with this right. administration all right we heard about the attack and uh, we've been hearing a lot about the attack in istanbul um uh, those of us who are somewhat israel centric wonder about uh, the timing of the attack the terrorists maybe acknowledging the fact that israel and turkey now have a closer relationship and understanding than they did you know, days before. Uh, then, then when we then it started to be revealed that the likelihood is it was an ISIS attack. Um, I, I surmise that uh, I, I, Israel's relationship with Turkey was probably irrelevant to it. The way ISIS operates, do you think that's correct or not? First of all, this thing was planned long before the deal was announced. So you can't carry off uh, an attack like this on two days' notice or a day's notice, and nobody knew that the deal would be concluded and announced when it was. They knew negotiations going on, but nobody knew uh, long in advance. To coordinate these kind of uh, uh, attacks, in a, such a massive attack, uh, takes a lot of time. Second, uh, the, the ISIS agenda is is not really uh, related to whether they signed this deal or not. Right. Could it enhance the, the antipathy, et cetera? Yeah, maybe, but... Uh, they also, by the way, right now there's a, a lot of tension with the Russians, and so he did a deal with the Russians. You could say people are attributed to that as well. Uh, I think that this is part of the ongoing uh, war between ISIS and, and Turkey. Uh, they're also fighting with the uh, PKK, with the Kurds, and that too could have been a factor. But the um, um, th- this is not related to the Israel deal, I think. Um, so, so now this happens um, in light of, uh, uh, of, what's, uh, of this continual, as you described it, a war between Turkey and ISIS. Um, and on the, um, on the heels of this arrangement, this deal, this monetary compensation that Israel is handing over to Turkey, uh, is it $20 million? Is that the accurate thing? To, to the m- families. To the families of the, the families of the victims, uh, the, uh, the victims of the, of the Gaza flotilla. Um, how did this play in Israel? Are, you, I, I've heard there's some dissension and some opposition to the way Israel caved in, so to speak, on this issue and went ahead and paid the compensation. Is it a big deal to most Israelis? Uh, I think it was immediately. There was uh, concern whether Israel gave in too much or 
Um, there were uh, three members of the security cabinet, Ked Lieberman and Bennett, who voted against it. Right. Um, and there were some of the military who were involved who, who were upset because it appeared as if they are accepting guilt or responsibility. Right for responding to a terrorist uh, action. Which I thought they had already accepted, you know, months or years ago. They did. It's true. And, and you know, Israel does benefit from this deal. It's true that Turkey benefits. But Israel benefits on, number one, they got to open their office in NATO, and Turkey dropped all opposition in international forward to Israel's uh, participation, etc. Second, uh, there's a potential for a huge gas deal here, with, and with Turkey serving as perhaps a transit point for Israeli uh, gas from the Leviathan find to the uh, to Europe, uh, the trade had gone up every year anyway. But if in any way they would mute some of the Turkish actions, but I don't anticipate that. I think that it, it's too much ingrained in in Erdogan, and well, and the real test will see if he if he lives up to the deal. Uh, and I don't know whether Israel perhaps helped broker the Russian understanding. They know the fact that BB was there just before, and uh, whether they helped uh, in in uh, facilitating it. It's not an agreement. It's not a real end to the to the conflict between Russia and Turkey, but it does did lower the the flames. And as Netanyahu said, you know, whenever you remove or reduce a point of tension, of friction today right. in the region, right. It is important, and for Israel, you know, I, I don't think uh, the tourism to Turkey is a big issue. I don't think that that the, as I said, I think the economic things were, were moving along. But to lower the tension and to, to take that, uh, if, if, if in fact he lives up to his commitment to take Hamas out of, uh, um, its, uh, out of its ability to um, I'm trying to be careful because of the, of the role that that they actually played right. and what I think he'll do. But the the commitment is that the Hamas officials who were giving operational orders from Turkey would no longer be allowed to do it. Whether they'll be allowed to stay, whether they will be you know forced to leave, he has made a commitment, and and that's a measurable thing. Right. We'll see whether he lives up to it. So, so you know he's not the most stable character. Right. So and, it's possible uh, that BB says to Putin. We we need as stable a Turkey as possible for... Or that, that uh, uh, Erdogan said to him, could you, on your next trip to Russia, could you put in a good word for us? And, and, and it would be in the interest of Turkey to have as calm and stable a relationship with Russia as possible. They are suffering greatly from the cutoff of four and a half million tourists to, to, to Turkey. Their tourism industry is decimated by it. The um, the trade, the other issues uh, that um, have had a, a serious uh, impact on uh, on Turkey's economy, and uh, he is in a much weakened position. So, you know, he he started out with a policy where he said he would have zero problems on his borders, and he ended up with problems on every border. Right, and you know, certainly in Syria and and his internal fight against terrorism, so he's got a lot of stuff to fight, <laughs> a I, lot of uh, battle. So, Am I making uh, too big of a deal of the role that Israel is now playing in the Middle East? Because to me it seems unprecedented that certain countries are reaching out to Israel 
trying to have as good and positive a relationship with them as possible, thinking ahead that they're going to need Israel down the road. Is, it, is that unprecedented, and, or, or, or I just don't realize it's happened many times before? No, it is unprecedented. It, it is, um, there have been uh, relations before. You know, Israel had an embassy in, in Qatar at one time and had an interest section in, in UAE. still has an informal one. Uh, the, the, but you're right. There is uh, a growing uh, effort by many Arab countries, but what you see is hardly the story of what's really going on. And the um, and and Israel is the source of stability right now, and and especially against Iran. And people today are not talking so much about Iran, but Iran right. is very active. We see the fight, for instance, in Bahrain. Uh, and and we are very close, perhaps, to some sort of a conflict there. So hardly the story of what's really going on. What what it sounds like you mean by that is that there is such a an informal structure of cooperation between Israel and certain Arab states. We would be shocked. That's what it sounds like to me. Is that close to what you're trying to say? Certainly surprised, but people you know have read about it. So I don't know if we have, still have the shock value, but surprise value maybe. And and even for Turkey, Turkey. And Erdogan raised this with me when I saw him both both times that I saw him in the last few months um, about wanting to be part of the Mediterranean Initiative, which is based on Israel, Cyprus, Greece, but many other countries coming in, and and that people would be shocked about. Right. Uh, and in fact, um, uh, I spoke to the Prime Minister about it extensively last week about how we have to exploit this opportunity and and to exactly Israel can I be the hub. Right. Whole Mediterranean and region. by the way, it's so funny you say that because I'm just thinking to myself, my God, Hillary or Trump are going to have an opportunity to assist Israel in playing such a major role of leadership in the Middle East. It's going to be amazing. Maybe Israel will have a chance to help Trump or Hillary play an important role in the Middle East again. Right. And that, uh, and, you know, Israel is an important player with all the animosity and hatred. And I'm not saying there's been an overnight change, and we see that the polls in most Arab countries still remain hostile. But the fact is that if you look at the CC statement, you look at some of the others, uh, they are uh, much more accepting, and, and they know that they run the risk of the animosity of uh, they're worried Iran. For their own, they're worried for their own lives. And, and, of course, they're all worried about their own lives. And yet you see the, the, there are so many shifting alliances. Let's say Turkey. Turkey and Egypt are in conflict. He wants to better his relationship. He wants a better relationship with a lot of people. But at the same time, they're extending their influence. Turkey's role today in Europe is going to shock people. I mentioned it uh, quite a while ago, but they're underwriting the building of hundreds, if not thousands, of mosques throughout Europe. He is trying to, to, to dominate as he is in, in other areas, and to reassert the Ottoman Empire. This is not a hypothetical, this is a serious goal on his part, just as the Iranians want this Persian Empire and are moving ahead with it. This, the, the goals and the aspirations there are very clear. So it, it's so hard to talk about these issues when, when they're so complex. There's so many things within things that, uh, um, you know, that matter. And sometimes the simplicity with which uh, they're reported in the press or, um, you, you know, the, in Syria today, Hezbollah and Russia are, are at war today, essentially. They're saying the Russians don't give them air cover. They lost uh, 25 of their terrorists in one shot near Aleppo. Seventy-five yesterday were killed, both government and rebel troops. 
And they're saying that since the Russians announced that they're going to reduce their cover, they're not protecting uh, Hezbollah fighters. And Hezbollah came out and said, we could not exist were it not for the Iranian money and Iranian support. Mm. And they said, as long as Iran has money, we have money, which right. reminds us about yep. why the sanctions are so important. Right. But, and, why the, but, and why the deal was so significant. Right. And then you have al-Qaeda and al-Nusra and their new activities, and you have so many layers within layers within layers, all of which play out, and many of them obviously uh, affect Israel uh, in terms of the security situation there and, and the, the fact that ISIS, which has been diminished of late in Syria, has been focusing on Israel. Right. Their website is, they're, they're, they're talking about attacks against Israel because they're trying to become relevant again and get visibility and perhaps rally uh, more support. Uh, they haven't done anything, but they, the, the threat is something that the U.S. intelligence is more Israel takes seriously, and you know, to, to, and obviously Israel does take it very seriously. All right, there's so much more to discuss. Uh, I'm going to try to save my list for for next week. The two things I got to get to: number one, we're getting uh, um, a Monday, the 40th anniversary in the secular calendar of the rescue at Entebbe. Anybody out there who has children or grandchildren who never heard of Entebbe, they've got to sit down and uh, tell them. What happened on the uh, on the uh, July fourth, nineteen seventy six? It was uh, one of the most miraculous, probably the greatest uh, hostage rescue situation in the history of the world. I would guess. Am I right? I would assume. I can't probably. I can't imagine anything more dramatic than that. Uh, so that's number one. And uh, Israel should continue, or, or maybe restart. Uh, acting as courageously as they did uh, 40 years ago. A lot of decisions had to be made. As you know, Malcolm, you know the story very well. A lot of decisions had to be made. A lot of brave decisions had to be made. And uh, we expect and hope that the Israeli government can make those brave decisions again these days. And and secondly, very important, the um, I, I don't think anybody thinks it's a coincidence. It seems like this every single year, that June and July uh, starts to escalate uh, attacks. You, in fact, mentioned the weather as a possibility of... Uh, uh, of um, uh, uh, being an impetus for uh, uh, for acting, uh, well, you didn't excuse it because of the weather, but you know what I mean. You, you said, you know, no, I was saying the weather because of Ramadan. Exactly. Um, in this case, Ramadan, right? Um, uh, but nonetheless, uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that as tourism season starts to build up, that's when the enemy starts to um, act the way they do and carry out attacks. It's a good time to remind everybody to uh, keep their trips scheduled and to get to Israel and travel there as often as possible because that is the only legitimate response to all this. And all too often, unfortunately, we see a drop in tourism when things like this start to escalate. So I'm just reminding everybody how important their role. It's not just going and having a good time and spending some money there. It's a really important statement in terms of getting to Israel and uh, frequenting there as much as possible. Well, first of all, on the tourism front, absolutely. If you if if the threat of something happening, first of all, you're safer in Israel than most any other place. But there is no place that's untouched by it. No place. So the idea that you can run someplace, maybe some isolated corner of the world that nobody's found, but uh, Inclu- including our neighborhoods in New York and New Jersey, by the way, you mean everywhere? I mean everywhere, everywhere. exactly. And the. The second thing is, did you know the Prime Minister is going to Africa on Sunday uh, for a trip to commemorate the 40th anniversary? He will be in Uganda, Rwanda, uh, Ethiopia, and uh, Kenya. So it's He'll be at the airport, right? Prime Minister to Africa since Golda. Really? So it's many decades uh, since an official visit, and I have to tell you that I meet with African leaders. They are anxious to establish ties, to reestablish links with Israel. Some that don't have diplomatic relations uh, I met just this week with one. 
uh, and we're working on developing ties and see how we can uh, foster that because Africa is an important front economically, politically. Now, now do uh, you do you know if as a citizen he or his family members ever visited the spot where his brother was murdered during Entebbe? you have any idea? As far as I know, they did not. Wow. So this is I going to this be something. Is the, the first time and... Uh, and the very fact that the Ugandan government and others are doing this, I think, is, uh, yeah. is also, it's, it's a statement. No question. And it goes back to what I told you earlier yeah. about yeah. Israel's acceptance, how Israel is viewed, that even countries that, that can't, don't have diplomatic relations are, are anxious to have the visit. And, and I can tell you that another African country called me and asked me whether we could uh, influence the prime minister to, to visit their country as well. And it, it just, it's not feasible this time, but I think that you will see the Prime Minister perhaps making uh, more of an outreach and other Israeli officials um, to, to uh, go out. Israel, you know, on so many fronts, you talk about water reclamation, uh, post-harvest reclamation, which is a huge problem in Africa. Israel's ahead of everybody yeah. and has the great technology, and that's what they want. And they're going to do, they're bringing along some of the people who have developed things, including prepix, which... It's going to save impoverished... It's, it's going to save impoverished countries. I mean, it's, it, you can't imagine what the system's going to do for it certain African nations. all the difference in the world about whether people survive or not. And the, um, you know, we focus on, people focus on so many things about Israel, but nobody talks about the life-saving work that Israel does day in and day out and the aid and the educational efforts that are going on yep. in, in Africa by uh, Israelis. You know, and uh, in the meantime, we see that the the bad guys, the Russians, the Iranians, are able now. They're negotiating new deals, and I don't know if anybody read Secretary Kerry's remarks, but I think that they should, if you want to try to understand why you can't understand the policy regarding Boeing and the sale uh, with Boeing, mm-hmm. and uh, the um, uh, by the way, the appointment of a new head of the new chief of staff of the Iranian Armed Forces, who is a guy who has made really uh, disturbing uh, comments and said the Iranian nation is standing for its cause. That is the full annihilation of Israel. So I guess this is another sign of the moderation post deal. That uh, yeah. <laughs> the uh, moderation. Not, I like uh, that. I like how uh, you say that casually. <laughs> the moderation post deal. Right, <laughs> and you know this is a twenty-five billion dollar deal. I, yeah. I don't know that it actually will be consummated with with Boeing. The deal itself is right. made. And this follows on an Airbus deal. So the idea that Turkey is not being rewarded, Turkey is not getting, and then right. the, the excuse that they use. But if you, you have to read both the comments that were made trying to explain it and, and the Secretary's own comments, which, frankly, I think were incoherent, that you can't figure out what the answer is. Right. Read okay. it. All right, got to go, Malcolm. Thank you for everything. A week from today, we'll continue with the weekly update. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Good job. Candlelighting 811 on this Erev Shabbos Parsha Shlach. This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos. With great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Shlach. Parsha Shlach, according to the Chinuch, contains three mitzvos. Two positive, the mitzvah of challah and the mitzvah of tzitzis, and one restriction, losusuru acharilavavchem vacharayenechem, not to be led astray after your hearts and after your eyes. Pasha Shlach every year is really one of the more challenging parshios of the Torah. 
The obvious question is, you find the first half of the parsha taken up with the sin of the Meraglim, the spies. Twelve men are sent by Moshe, and the Torah tells us, Kulam Anoshim, they were all pious, worthy leaders at that time. How could they come back with a negative report of Eretz Yisrael? One answer <clears throat> suggested by the Zohar is that they did not want to leave the cocoon of the desert whereby everything was being provided for them in a supernatural way, not wanting to go into a land of Israel where they would have to be involved in the quote-unquote everyday, working the land and providing their sustenance for themselves. Perhaps the very end of the parsha, which immediately following the Meraglim, you have the mitzvah of the Nisachim, whereby the Torah teaches when a person brings a korban, they were to bring wine, oil, flour as well, showing that you are to take of the everyday and elevate it. After that comes challah, once again, the concept being that from your dough, you can elevate it, a mitzvah, help the Kohen and his family, and thereby bring out the spirituality that is latent within the physical. I'd like to focus this morning on the opening Rashi of Parshas Shlach, whereby <coughs> Rashi asks, Lama what's the connection? Why and how do we to understand the juxtaposition between the Maraglim, <coughs> the spies, and the end of last week's Parsha, Parshas Miriam, who, as we recall, <coughs> Miriam spoke Lashon Hara. So Rashi goes on to say, Lefisha Luxa al Iske Diba, because Miriam was punished because of her wrong and Lashon <coughs> Hara negative speech about Moshe, that Urishoyim Halolu, these wicked people, these spies, Ra'u, they saw what happened to Miriam, Musar, <clears throat> and they did not learn the lesson, meaning they should have learned the lesson. I'd like to very simply ask, how are we to understand this comparison? After all, Miriam and Aaron speak Lashon Haram about a person, and here <clears throat> the Miraglim are speaking Lashon Haram about a land. And therefore, I'd like to help resolve this by taking a look and calling your attention to the Rambam at the end of Hilchos Tumas Soraas. And he ends this section with a moral, ethical teaching. And he teaches that what we call Soraas, leprosy, was not part of the natural world. Why? Discoloration of houses, garments, and on the body occurred for the individual to realize that their negative speech was a direct contradiction to the divine plan 
and the calling of man. In Bereshis, Perik Beis, Pasuk Zion, after God formed an outline of the first human being, the Torah tells us, He, Hashem, Vayipach Pa'apov, Nishmas Chayim. He blew into his nostrils the soul of life. This is understood by Unculus to mean that man then became a speaking person. When man unfortunately sullies his mouth with negative speech, what he's doing is he is diminishing the Tselem Elohim, the divine image that was implanted and entrusted to man. And the Ramam continues and tells us by quoting the Pasuk in Devarim, in Kiseitzei, chapter 24, Pasuk 9, Zechor, to remember, Ace, Asher Hashem Miriam Baderech. You are to remember what Hashem your God did to Miriam on the way when you were leaving Egypt. Now Miriam the prophetess was the older sister of Moshe. And the Rambam's exact words are Vigidlato Alberkeva. Literally, she helped raise him. And Sikna Baatsmolat Silo Minayam. She risked her life to save him from the water. And moreover, the Hilo Debra Bignuso, she did not speak Bignuso in a disparaging or in a negative manner regarding Moshe. So what was her problem? What was her mistake? Toasa, her mistake was that Shehish Vato Lishar Nevi'im. Her mistake was by equating Moshe with the other prophets. Now, in order to appreciate this, we have to go back and get the background of last week's parasha of Miriam's Lashon Hara. We're told that when Eldad and Medad began to prophesize in the camp, as found in last week's parasha of Baaloscha, in chapter 11, Pasuk 26, Zipporah, Moshe's wife, her immediate reaction was, she said, I... I feel sorry for their wives, thinking that just as Moshe separated himself from her, they would do likewise to their spouses. Now, when Miriam heard that Moshe had separated himself from Zipporah, she responded by questioning, Excuse me, why did Moshe Taka do this? After all, she and her brother Aaron were also prophets. And they did not separate themselves from their spouses. Now Miriam did not know that this was nothing less than a decree of Hashem. That Hashem told Moshe, as we find in the book of Devarim, in chapter 5, Pasuk 27 and 28, that after the revelation at Sinai, Hashem told Moshe to tell the people, that they were to shuvu lo'alechem. They were to go back to their families. However, v'yata, but you, Moshe, amodi modi. You, Moshe, 
are to stay with me as he was literally on call 24-7. Now the Torah tells us at the end of last week's parsha, Vilish Moshe Anav Ma'od, that Moshe was exceedingly humble, and therefore Moshe told no one of his exclusive status. Now the Rambam is teaching that Miriam's failure to recognize the unique position of Moshe, not attributing to Moshe the respect due to the Av Hanavim, that Moshe is indeed the father of the prophets. When the Rambam codifies his 13 basic principles of Jewish faith, the seventh one is Animamin Bemuna Shleimo. Shinvuas Moshe Rabbeinu, Oliver Sholom, Hoysa Amitis, Vishu Hoya Av Lanavim. The veracity of Moshe's prophecy, every word that Moshe is the father of the prophets. Now, this in of itself, not putting Moshe in his proper perspective and position of honor and diminishing that and equating him with others, this, says the Rambam, is a big chiddush. This is within the rubric of Lashon Hora. So the Torah is thus raising the bar and the definition of Lashon Hora. It's not only forbidden to speak outright gnus, negativity, about an individual, unless, of course, it's within the halachic circumstance that one must reveal specific information for someone getting a job or for a shidduch. But even, here goes, diminishing the status and reputation of the next one is forbidden. If you are at a Shabbos table and you hear that someone says that that person is an outstanding Talmud Chacham, or he or she is an expert in a particular field, and if one responds by saying, eh, he is average, that too is considered Lashon Horat based on Zechiras Miriam. And the Rambam in Klal Aleph of Hilchos of Lashon Hora tells us just this, as well as that a person need not verbalize Lashon Hora, what I call Kiba'apam Horguish, literally with their nose. What does that mean? With their gesture. You heard a shear, and somebody worked hard and made a presentation, and there's something about it that you didn't like, and you make one negative gesture with your face, that too is a form of Lashon Hara. This is therefore the thrust of the moving, beautiful tefillah of Rabbi Elimelech of Lezhinsk, his tefillah of Adarabah, whereby we ask Hashem's assistance in properly evaluating the next one's character. Adarabah, Tembeli Beinu Shinira Kol Echad Maalos Chaveirenu. We ask Hashem, may we see the good in our friends and acquaintances, and not 
the low chesronom, and not their faults and deficiencies. This Hasidic master is teaching that if one looks, you will find flaws in the next person's personality. But his prayer is that we should focus on the good, and it's not always easy. I heard from one of my teachers, a beautiful way of doing it is, remember the Pasuk in the Tochacha in Devarim, chapter 28, Pasuk 47, Tachas, because you did not serve Hashem your God, with gladness and goodness of the heart, Merov kol, when everything was abundant. And Merov kol can mean, forgive me, when most things were good. Listen carefully now. Everybody, in their own life, let's be honest, the cup is either half empty, lo'aleinu, or half full. And therefore, focus on the divine gift and blessings that Hashem gives each and every one of us to keep your own personal simcha level high. And therefore, similarly, look at the positive traits in the next one and say, thank you Hashem for having my path cross theirs for me to learn and be enriched. Finally, this lesson of properly assessing the character of the next one taught by the Rambam applies to Eretz Yisrael as well. The sin of Miriam, of not ascribing to Moshe his unique role and position, this was the sin of the Miraglim. This is what Rashi says. This is the juxtaposition of the Miraglim to Miriam. They failed to ascribe to the land of Israel its unique nature and qualities. Everything they said, the Miraglim and the reported, was true regarding Eretz Yisrael. Being fortified, most difficult to conquer. This was accurate. The Chassam Sofer Zatzal teaches that it was precisely for that reason that the people were to know that only with Hashem's assistance could they conquer the Lamb. They forgot the very first Rashi of the Torah, that Hashem created the world and chose this land for this people. And just as the DNA of Am Yisrael is different. It's charged with spirituality. So too is this land programmed to produce and respond only to its inhabitants. History has shown that for almost 2,000 years, the beloved land of Israel refused to accept any other people's attempt to settle and cultivate the land. Like a faithful lover, it waited patiently for its beloved Am Yisrael. And therefore, may we be zocha to learn the lesson of this smichus and find the good in the next one, thereby enriching ourselves. Shabbat Shalom to all. J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos. Special guests joining us now and uh, let's do a little bit of this great selection first and I'll explain why at J.M. in the A.M. Fidalach tanzen, Nidalach taf, Venushim kleinen goisim dem nahayim beisamigos, Shoif der Alter mame shoif. 
unser, dies unser Mutter, Eloikainel unser Futter, If that voice sounds familiar, it's because he's uh, one of today's most vibrant, varied, and talented Jewish entertainers. The one, the only, Dudu Fischer, who's with us live via telephone. Dudu Boker Tov to you. Boker Tov. Boker Shabbat Shalom Tov. Erev Shabbat Shalom to you as well. And Rabbi Moshe Shapiro is here in our studio. Rabbi Shapiro claims, listen to this, Dudu. Rabbi Shapiro claims that if you're going to go to one Jewish music concert this year, it should be the July 6th concert in Bergen County. What do you think of that outrageous statement, huh? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but I don't think you should, do, you should talk about it because I don't think they have tickets anymore. No more tickets? It's completely sold out? Ask Rabbi. Ask the Rabbi moment, there. is that true? First of all, good morning, Rabbi Shapiro. Good morning, Nachum. The morning, morning the, the morning the community found out, or the moment, I should say, the community found out that Dudu Fisher's playing Bergen County, all of a sudden, nary a ticket remains? Is that what's going on? I understand there are some tickets left. <laughs> <laughs> Dudu, you completely misinformed <laughs> us. <laughs> Dudu Fisher's on the impression that it's sold out already. You hear that, right? We have such a good guest coming from the Holy Land. Going to inspire us. Gonna, oh, that's for gonna, sure. Going to talk about this great year. All right, we'll talk about. Uh, we'll go back to Dudu in a second. I, explain what's going on. All the Chabad uh, institutions of Bergen County and Hudson County, and you, of course, re- represent Chabad of Hoboken and Jersey City. All the Chabads have gotten together, are bringing Dudu Fisher to the stage at Bergen Pack in officially Englewood. Is it officially where? Correct. Officially Englewood, New Jersey. For what? For what purpose, in addition to enjoying some great Jewish music? Well, that's a great question. Um, let's take back a little history. This year yeah. is the year of Hakel, the right. year of gathering. So Moses, Moshe Rabbeinu, right before he passed away, he, la- he leaves to the Jewish people by giving over to Yeshua, to Joshua, kind of a will, a tzavah. Right. And he tells the Jewish people two mitzvah to do. Number one is, each one of you should write a Torah. And number two, that every seven years you should gather together for a year of hakel. Now, what is a year of hakel, a year of gathering? Well, it comes out the year after Shemitah, after the traditional seventh year to sabbatical year, where Moses is asking the Jews, when you're going to go into the Holy Land, gather together all of the Jewish people, men, women, and children, to come up to Yerushalayim, and you will listen to the king who is going to read from certain passages from the book of Devarim, from Deuteronomy. And the idea is, Moses is not going to be with the Jewish people in Israel. Moses is worried the Jews are not going to remember what happened at Sinai. So as Maimonides, as the Rambam clearly Ah, says, the the way the Jewish people are going to remember Sinai is that when every seven years will gather together in Jerusalem and the king will read certain passages from Devarim, right. it will inspire us to remember Hashem and to remember what happened on this day that we commit ourselves to God by keeping the Torah and mitzvot and every seven years everyone comes there even if you couldn't hear because after all millions of people are in Yerushalayim even in the outside but the fact that we are there we are accepting again to keep the Torah and gathering all the Jewish people together. So you are uh, doing this, just the one difference is it's not happening in Israel. You're doing this in Bergen County. Well, that's a great question. So uh, though the mitzvah of Hakel does not apply when we don't have the Beis HaMikdash, because you cannot build a stage out of wood and where the king will go up and the Ezra Nashim so everyone can hear the um, the the special reading of the Torah, 
in the spirit of Hakel, in 1981, the Rebbe, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, made a big campaign asking Jewish people to come together and make gatherings and just bring Jews together in a way of keeping us together and in a way of Jewish unity for men, women, and children in every community to get together and make these celebrations. And Modeled you know after the Hakel Mitzvah. Exactly. So in spirit of that, in spirit of that Mitzvah, the idea of bringing people together is such a special thing. And um, it's been doing, just at the beginning of this week, there was a hakel where tens of thousands of people joined online. With Why does speakers. it seem to me that this hakel happens every year? <laughs> I don't know. Is it only every seven years? It seems like this hakel event's always going on. Do you know <laughs> what? Um, I, I, allow me to interfere. Yeah, go ahead. Do, do. Know that, even though the mitzvah is only one, once every seven years, I'm telling you that the Chabad and Lubavitch are <laughs> doing it every day, every minute around the year. And that's exactly they, they my are point. The only ones, they are the only ones who bring Jews together all the time together. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what kind of a Jew you are. They don't care what kind of a Jew. As long as you are Jewish and you have this as long as you have this sparking a, a little thing in your heart, they will know how to lit it up and they know how to do it. You see that, Rabbi? Dudu agrees I, with I'm, me. I'm, Hakel is way more than just once every seven years, according to us. Absolutely. It is. With Chabad, it's every day. Every day and every minute around the year. And you know, as... Go ahead, Dudu. And I see it it a lot because I travel a lot. I I, I see a lot of Chabad houses around the world. I study in Chabad Yeshiva in Tel Aviv. My my Chavusa is uh, Rabbi Yossi Ginsburg. And we're sitting and and I learned Tanya lately. And I see the geniosity and I see the the love of the rabbis, the previous rabbis, and the and and Rabbi Schneerson to the Jewish people, and I have all my stories, you know, that I have with Chabad, the experiences that I had with Chabad, and I'm telling you, Chabad is not doing it every once every seven years; they are doing it every minute or every day around around the year. All right, there and you that's, go. So that's why everybody loves so much Chabad. There you go. So the we've got to get to the uh, actual information here because we have limited time. It's Friday morning, but the the event is happening on uh, Wednesday night, the sixth of July. Starts at seven thirty at Bergen Pack in Englewood, New Jersey, and you're guaranteed. Go ahead, Dudu. Erev Rosh Chodesh, don't forget. Ah, that's right. It's Erev Rosh Chodesh, Taka. And that's why we're doing it then, as a few days later as Gimel Thomas. Wrong! It is Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh is Wednesday and Thursday. So it's Mamash Rosh Chodesh. Ah, it's Wednesday and Thursday. Yeah. And what's the reason we're doing it this part of the year, though this mitzvah happened? Why Rosh Chodesh, Thomas? Yeah. The the Hakal gatherings we should be doing the entire year to bring people together. When our enemies, unfortunately, we had more tragic news in Israel. Right. When they see that we are together, we can fight off all of the hardships and problems we have. But why Rosh Chodesh, Thomas? Because three days later is Gimel Thomas, the day of the Rebbe. Yard site to, to in, in after all we we are we are ten Chabad houses in Hoboken, Jersey City, and all of Bergen County. Ten and total. Bringing so many bringing so many Jews together that are influenced by all of our educational and all of our outreach and all and all of our programs be a beautiful tribute in honor of the Rebbe, who has done so much for us. And in return, we can get together in an evening and celebrate this Hakel. Enjoy Dudu Fisher. There will be just a 10 or 12 minute speech by world class speaker Rabbi Moshe Brisky. Who Where is he is, from? He's from, um, he's uh, outside from of LA, Hoko, Agora. He's, the, he's the, un, the most unbelievable speaker that you ever heard. And I'm telling you, if I'm going to come to this evening, I'm coming only to hear Rabbi Moshe Brisky. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Never mind the defeat. I got to search some speeches online from him. He's he, that good, huh? He's the best. So it's an amazing opportunity to come together to celebrate Hakel, to celebrate the Rebbe's yard site, to celebrate, to enjoy Dudu, and at the same time to be inspired by only 10 or 12 minutes of this amazing, amazing speech. How do people get information about the uh, Wednesday night event on July 6th at Bergen Pack? They can go to Ticketmaster or at the website of bergenpack.com. They're selling the tickets. They're still selling some tickets. and um, Only last rows. Only the last rows. Already. Well, check it out. You may be lucky and get something that's closer than the last row. Yeah, Bergen <laughs> Pack website. What else? Anything else? Uh, any other method of uh, communication with them, or that's the best way to do it? Unity Concert. Unity Concert 2016. UnityConcert2016.com UnityConcert2016.com for further information. Uh, Dudu, give us... First of all, I hope you have some uh, selections from, from uh, Sefer Dvarim. If the rabbi says during Hakel you have to read from Sefer Dvarim, I hope you have some sukkim from Sefer Dvarim you're going to be singing, Dudu. Well, uh, Rabbi Brisk is going to talk about Sefer Dvarim. Ah, okay. Okay. <laughs> You've been excused from the Dvarim angle. <laughs> uh, so you'll give you'll give us what a taste of Israel, a taste of Yerushalayim, a taste of being Jewish, a taste of yeah, sacrificing you know, you know, for Shabbat. I'm now on a new special for PBS in Israel. I'm shooting a new uh, PBS special now, which is called Jerusalem, and it's going to be uh, playing on PBS uh, uh, next year in 2017, which will be the 50th anniversary for the of the reunification of Jerusalem. Right. So we're doing the special, and uh, I'm going to bring, of course, some songs from this special that we do. And, of course, I'm going to tell the story, my stories, my personal stories about the Rebbe. I'm going to talk about uh, what Chabad is doing in the, around the world, what I see. And I'm going to sing the, uh, uh, some beautiful songs, even some musicals, songs from some musicals, which, are, which I'm going to bring in. Uh, for musicals that I did and for musicals that I wanted to do and I couldn't do because of the Shabbos, because I didn't play Shabbos. And uh, it's going to be an amazing evening. There you go. He's guaranteeing, an, uh, any time, in all seriousness, any time you see Dudu Fisher live in concert, it's an unbelievably inspirational experience. So if you've never done it, folks, go, go Wednesday night and see him live in concert. It's an amazing experience. UnityConcert2016.com, phone number 201-227-1030, 201 Two two seven ten thirty Bergen Pack. It's P A C BergenPack dot org for information about Wednesday night's event. Dudu Fisher live in concert for the Hakel event, bringing together ten Chabad communities in uh, Jersey City, Hoboken, and Bergen County all together that night. All the Chabad representatives will be there that night from Bergen County and from uh, With God's from help. Hudson County. There you go, Dudu Todaraba Vazaltov on your brand new son, by the way. Thank you very much. Thank uh, you. Is he coming to the Shmuel, concert? Shmuel Michael. Michael. Shmuel Michael. Is he coming to the concert? You haven't decided yet. Of course he's coming to the concert. Mamash! Yeah. Anashim uh, Vatav. No, right. no Jew will be left behind. There you go. And he's included now. Very nice. Tadarabah. <laughs> Shabbat Shalom to you. Thank, Thank you, Dudu. Shabbat Thank you. Shabbat Shalom. There he is. I said to him earlier this week in a phone conversation how his sacrifice on behalf of Shabbat becomes more and more meaningful to me the older I get and the more I realize how much other people understand his sacrifice now. I think years ago a lot of people in our community didn't get it, you know, what kind of sacrifice. And as people are getting older in this generation, I think they are now 
finally understanding the real sacrifice. You know, some people in the old days were like, oh, what's the big deal? You can't perform on Shabbos, you can't perform on Shabbos. But when it involves your dream, it's a very big challenge. So, the great dude, Du Fisher. That's one of the reasons I call him the great dude, Du Fisher. For that alone, people should come and see him on Wednesday night. He's a real inspiration when it comes to Torah mitzvahs. Amazing. Uh, all right, Rabbi Shapiro, you expect a sold-out crowd. People should get tickets. It's Wednesday night, 7.30, this coming Wednesday at Bergen Pack in Englewood. Dudu Fisher in a great Hakel Unity concert called 201-227-1030. 201-227-1030. Bergenpackpac.org. Bergenpack.org. We should mention the Unity Concert 2016.com. You can save on some of the fees of Ticketmaster. Unity Concert 2016.com. Unity Concert 2016.com. And Chabad of Hoboken has a ticket outlet or not? Can they walk into Shul and get tickets? Yes or no? They can call our office. We still have some <laughs> tickets. There you go. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you so much. And good luck. And continue to bless you who are uniting so many Jews. Not now with the app 24-6, but so many people are listening to it from 6 to 9 a.m. They wake up with the Maida Ani. They go. They finish the week with the beautiful. It's time to say good Shabbos, Nachum. You're making hakels every single day. Well, I greatly appreciate that. I hope you're accurate on that, and I greatly appreciate that. Thank uh, you. It isn't. It, thank you. It is time to say good Shabbos. Journeys on the radio at JM in the AM.
brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Wraps up an amazing week for us here at JM and the AM. Thanks so much for tuning in. Naomi Nachman is next with Table for Two. You can see it on uh, NachmanSiegel.com on the homepage. You can hear it, of course, on all of our outlets, including uh, JMNAM.org and the NSN app. Plus, the Kedem presentation of the Erev Shabbos music mix goes all the way from 10 o'clock this morning, Eastern Time, all the way until candle lighting. Enjoy it. It's an amazing way to prepare for Shabbos. Have a wonderful weekend. A great Shabbos and a wonderful weekend, everybody. Monday, Mayor Fertig is here on the 4th of July. I am back here, Bezrat Hashem, on Tuesday morning. Till the Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.